Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, Deputy Editor of Financial Advisor. Life has been pretty good for platforms for the past few years, but DB transfer inflows have started to slow down, and we're here with a few guests to chat about uh, what that means and how their platforms can go forward. Uh, with us are Mike Barrett, Consulting Director of the Lancat. Hi, Damien. And Paul Boston from Novia. Hi, Paul. Yeah. Hi, Damien. Hi, Mike. So the platform industry, both in the advised and the retail space, has seen considerable growth in, in recent years, powered by, amongst other things, uh, assets from uh, defined benefit uh, pension transfers. But the data shows that flows have been slowing uh, in recent years. Does this mean, Mike, that assets under administration uh, seen by platforms in recent years will be slowing in the future? I think most people accept that there is a real kind of increase in flows and some real kind of initial excitement around pension freedoms a couple of years ago. And there was more to pension freedoms than just DB transfers, but undoubtedly that was a large contributory factor to it. But I think more broadly and kind of looking at a, a longer term trends, the platform market has been pretty buoyant for a number of years. We we track sales flows at the, at the Landcat for every single advised platform. And it's an industry we've had 19% growth since 2012 to 2018, which is which is pretty decent. We also have our kind of our annual house view of how that's going to go forward. And our, our central view would be a growth rate of around about 14%. So certainly down on the flows, which we've had platforms have enjoyed historically, but still still pretty healthy, I think. Mm -hmm. And Paul, how are you, uh, how are you feeling uh, as, a, as a platform? Well, as Mike said, really very positive. I think far from a platform perspective, the defined benefit was, was really a sugar rush. Um, and when you look back at it, it will probably represent a blip. Um, but as Mike has said, you know, the assets on platforms continue to grow. It's the mainstay of the retail um, investment space. Uh, we don't see that changing at all. We're delighted with the growth rate that, that we're experiencing. I think if we're, and there has been an awful lot of attention, obviously, on defined benefit transfers. And I think when the FCA have looked into it, they're stating that less than 50% are suitable. We as platforms should be innovating to make the defined benefit transfer more palatable because up, up to this point, it's been really a binary decision. What, what's more important to you, the, the, the guarantees or the flexibility? And I think if we as platforms can innovate and offer some kind of guarantee as part, together with that flexibility, then that becomes a very attractive proposition. Do you see much innovation happening across the platform sector, Mike? No, it's the, it's the short answer to that. There's, there's kind of pockets here and there, but I think certainly a, a, another theme which we've noticed over the last few years, there's been a fairly constant kind of wave of regulatory change. So you look at things like RDR, GDPR, sunset clause, pension freedoms, et cetera, et cetera. Loads of stuff which platforms have to do to keep the lights on and to be able to trade on the 1st of January when this stuff comes in. MIFI 2, an enormous project which you just simply have to deliver if you want to exist. And that's kind of stifled the, the ability to innovate quite quite a bit. But I think we're starting to come through that a little bit now and, and some of the things Paul alluded to, yeah, I think are certainly in the pipeline for some of his some of his competitive platforms as well. Mm -hmm. And Paul described DB transfers as a sugar rush. The main growth factors for platforms are going to continue to be the ones that have been underlying for the past few years, uh, the move towards um, RDR-induced sort of outsourcing, this sort of stuff. I think for, for advised platforms, it's worth taking a step back from DB transfers to kind of remind ourselves 
who it is they're serving. They're serving financial advisors who are in turn giving advice to to end clients. And that market is pretty buoyant. Um, Most advisors are doing really quite nicely in terms of their financial performance. The, the the myth that a financial firm is one bad month from going out of business is is exactly that. Most firms are pretty well capitalised and are very confident in, in what it is they're doing and the demand for their advice is outstripping their ability to supply. So as a result, they can be quite kind of discerning with the, the choices they make of which platforms they tend to work with and whether they whether they want to be working with with kind of larger scale providers perhaps who are more vertically integrated and have have kind of a more national presence or if they want to do their own thing in terms of technology the, the barriers on that side are coming down quite a lot or the independent rap market as well there's advisors who want to carry on working with those those providers and again they've all of those sectors are are doing pretty nicely and and the demand from advisors is, is really strong. Mm-hmm. And Paul, how have platform margins been growing in recent years? Well, I'd say that platform margins have been reducing in recent years and, and quite dramatically. What has been going up is the revenue, just simply because the volume of assets um, have, uh, has been increasing at such a rate. But but as no matter how sort of straight through and no matter how much you leverage off technology, you'll often find that when you increase assets, you also increase costs. And whenever we look at accounts, we, we, we haven't yet seen a platform that cost perspective is operating at less than 22 basis points. I mean, might might have different information, but certainly that's, that's, that's what we've seen. So we're pretty much on the knuckle in terms of what's being charged and what it's actually costing to run these businesses. And I think what we've seen is a number of people decide to back out of the market because it's not a business that they can generate revenue from, generate profit from. Yeah, I'd agree. I think if if you are looking at it and thinking you're going to enjoy the, the types of margins that the the historic life company model enjoyed, then you're going to be in for a fairly nasty shock within within the platform world and, and the businesses. Which, particularly if you look at the businesses which which floated last year, they're very nimble and very tight in terms of all of their spend for distribution, for marketing, for for technology spend as well, and they have none of the kind of a legacy that perhaps some more largerist, more established providers have in place. Mm-hmm. And, and Paula, if you were going to sort of address the, those small margins, how do you see platforms going about that? Can they? I mean, there's, there's enormous pressure on uh, on the price, understandably. But but I think the, the the thing that we have to do is, as platforms, is twofold. We have to make the uh, the proposition incredibly attractive, and and look at it from a value perspective. But we also have to really, really invest in technology to take the load. The more you can get technology to take the load, the less you're spending on salaries, and 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 therefore the more the the, the thicker the margins are. But it but it's incredibly tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's worth remembering some of the key findings on the platform market study, which was the, the final report came out um, a few months ago on this one. So broadly, the FCA found that the the outcomes that customers are receiving when they when they invest via a platform, whether that's directly or through a financial advisor, those outcomes are really positive. And going back to the margin point, they found no evidence of platforms making sustained high levels of profits, which was a complete opposite to their findings when they did the the asset management study where surprise surprise they magically found that asset management had been ripping off people for for decades if if platforms were attempting to rip customers off they're doing a terrible job of it because not many of them are making much money at all where are the customers yachts eh exactly and there has been a 
a certain amount of consolidation in the platform market. But there are still quite a large number of advised um, platforms out there. Do you see that that's going to change? Yeah, I think it's it's something we hear quite frequently that the market is going to narrow and um, go down to a very small number, which seems to be a number that people kind of pluck out of thin air rather than having any sort of analysis to it. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we look at sales figures and track trends for every single advice platform in the market. And we've been doing that for for as long as I can remember at the Landcat. That list of platforms has evolved and there's people who have come out of it. There's people who have come into it recently as well. But we're still pretty much broadly the, the, the same number. It takes a lot to do an integration. You've got to be pretty brave and have reasonably deep pockets to contribute to consider an integration. And you're probably going to lose probably two or three years in terms of management distraction to implement that implementation once you acquire somebody. So it takes you've got to have a real desire to do it. That's a real inhibitor for what should be a natural market behavior where a successful market consolidation is seen as a sign of a successful market. See for reference Aegon. Exactly, exactly. That that's um project um I think they've uh, the figures that Aegon quoted last week have put the, the kind of the disclosed spend on that at around about eighty million and they're still kind of putting out some of the fires a year or so after that implemented. Um, there's quite a few other examples of of replatformings where the, the costs have spiraled fairly violently out of control. Paul, how do you see consolidation going? Well, I'm with Mike on this, really. We constantly hear that the the market's going to consolidate. We hear numbers pulled out of thin air. I hear constantly numbers like four, five, six wraps. I hear about scale. And yet it appears to be the smaller independent platforms that are actually generating profit. What consolidation does appear to have taken on is is due to the, the unsuccessful business models. So if we carry on with the Aegon story, it was LNG saying we can't we can't make money out of this model. We need to offload, and that's exactly what they did. The same with Axa and Elevate. Mm-hmm. So so it do, it doesn't feel like it's a market which is consolidating for positive reasons. It feels like it's it's a market that when it does happen is because somebody has decided enough's enough. I can't make money. Mm-hmm. And what effect do you think that the sugar rush of, of DB transfers dying down will have, if any, on, on the market, on, on profitability, on consolidation? Well, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that it will in, in that sense, pr- predominantly because the, because the asset flows continue. And I think Mike's already quoted a number that they believe to be 14%, which is sustainable year in, year out. And, and, I, and I couldn't disagree with that. That's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot more into that 14% than just DB transfers, pension freedoms. Um, pension freedoms is, is a factor of that, but that's that's created a demand for advice. That's cre- created a need for, for advice, almost whether you're DB or DC at the point of retirement. You, choices you and the complexity which you have inherent within the system is driving people towards financial advisors. I think you add on things like life company migration as well and kind of the, the gradual trickle out of some of the old backbook of, of life companies and yeah even if even if there is kind of a, a bump in the road I think as it was described coming up fairly soon for Brexit and various other political bits then I still think we've seen over recent years the financial advice market is incredibly resilient and advisors have kind of adapted and evolved their propositions very very rapidly when when things happen and I'm, and I'm sure they'll do that again. Mm-hmm. Of course, the irony of Brexit is the fact that the currency weakens, which means the market goes up, which means the revenue generated by the platforms. Ah, so that is a benefit. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Finally, we have one. 
Okay. Do you see that, that, that that's going to be a bump in the road at all? As Mike? Well, I think it will definitely be a bump in the road, and I think we've seen it in quarter two's numbers. You know, it's, it's, there's a certain amount of uncertainty, and, and no matter what industry you're in, uncertainty is not a positive thing. People sit on the on the sidelines waiting to see what happens. So I was sort of pulling Mike's leg, really, in the sense that you know the currency does weaken and the market goes up, and we're paid on assets under administration. You, you mentioned, uh, Paul, that there are uh, some sm- smaller, nimbler um, players in the market have been doing reasonably well. Are you, uh, to the counter of the consolidation side of things, do you see that there might be new entrants? I think we have seen some new entrants. I think it would be very challenging breaking into this market now. So I, I, I struggle to answer the question in a, in, in a sense. I'm sure people will want to give it a go. And uh, and I think there are some out there that are making it much easier for large distributors to set up their own platforms. But I, but I guess in that sense, it's controlled distribution. Will we see uh, another business break into the into the sort of independent space? I'm not sure that we will. Yeah, I think ultimately this comes down to trust, where advisors are placing business with a platform that they trust to deliver to give a positive outcome to their clients and not to let them down in terms of the business which they're running. And that trust has been well established for a number of years by a number of providers. And as much as you might see a, a new entrant coming in with kind of cool technology, decent technology, decent proposition, perhaps a few basis points cheaper, it's you have to take a bit of a leap of faith as an advisor to say, right, I'm actually going to trust you with my client's assets rather than a provider that I've been working with for a number of years and I know I know the people there, I know the infrastructure, I know all of the support network. It's quite a hard market to enter, I think, for, for new entrants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Paul, thank you very much. And uh, Mike, thank you very much as well. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in and tune in again at the next, for the next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 